You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hello, and welcome to the Serve Strong, Finish Strong podcast on the Mission Matters Podcast Network. These are conversations that we have that are specifically for you in your 40s and 50s trying to navigate this uncertainty of the stage of life that you're in. I'm Scott. I'm your host, and I'm glad you're aboard as we embark on another episode together. In life, we get hurt, right? Getting hurt is inescapable. The question is not, will I ever get hurt? The question is, when I get hurt, how will I recover? How will I process that hurt? Now, Unprocessed hurt will hinder your ability to craft and execute a fantastic fourth quarter and finish strong, which is why I'm pleased to introduce to you Steve Wormer, my guest. Steve is the executive director for Caring Resources, which is known for their transformational program, Hurt to Hope. Caring Resources is a nonprofit organization helping people with all kinds of backgrounds to overcome painful experiences. He's also led three churches and is currently leading a church in the Memphis area. Steve is a speaker and a certified leadership and life coach, and he lives in Memphis, Tennessee with his wife, Rebecca, of over 26 years and their three children. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, Scott. Good morning. Thrilled to be on here with you this morning. Well, it's a pleasure. I think that you are doing God's work here. So what we're going to do, I'd like to know a little bit more about Hurt to Hope. How does Hurt to Hope? help transform people from suffering from their emotional wounds to becoming more hopeful again? Well, I think if it's okay with you, Scott, it it might be good for me to give a little bit of background as to how the program even started. Because it it, it started out of a tragedy, and the Cliff Notes version is the the two ladies that found the program back in the mid-90s, one of them was with her husband. And they were going to celebrate their, their daughter's wedding that had just taken place a couple of weeks prior. They were going to a new Mexican restaurant. They're driving down a four-lane road in winter in Nashville, Tennessee, and enjoying the fellowship, looking forward to the meal, all those kind of things. And they hear a loud thud on the quarter panel of the car. And they were like, did you see anything? Did you hear anything? What was that? You know, And, and they were in disbelief. They pulled over to the side of the road. And they hear screaming and yelling from a group of teenagers coming across the road. And what they discovered is they had tragically struck a teenage girl that had gotten ahead of the group and ran across the road ahead of the light, you know, basically trying to beat the light. They never saw her and she was dead on arrival. And I know that's a shocking way to start a podcast, but it's a tragic story and If I was to fast forward a little and and give you perspective from the lady that hit the teenage girl, she's going to church a couple weeks later. Obviously, a lot of intense emotions in between these two weeks. I can only imagine. Oh, crushing. And she gets questions from her brothers and sisters. Hey, were you drinking that night? Hey, did you have both hands on the steering wheel? Were your lights on? Just trying to find loops in the story, right? And she's thinking to herself, you know what? I check all those boxes. I did all those things right. Had my hands on the wheel, wasn't drinking, lights were on. It's an accident. Life happens. Mm. And she said, where 
is my safe place if I can't find it here? And Paul says, weep with those that are weeping. Who's weeping with me now? And she didn't feel like anybody was. So out of that tragedy came what we're talking about today, hurt to hope. And so she has turned her pain, and that is pretty severe example of pain, right? Mm -hmm. She has taken that and used it for good to help other people. And now, now 25 years later, the program carries on. So now took a long way to get to your question. We take, yeah, it's, it's good to have that background for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we take people through a cognitive approach to healing with a lot of, it's a 10 hour workshop. It's typically done three hours on a Friday night. And then the following Saturday, seven hours approximately with a lunch in between. And it's a lot of Christ-centered teachings from the likes of Joseph, Job, and Paul with some very practical exercises that are not only practical, they're very powerful and life-changing if you do them then during the workshop, but if you continue to do them even after the workshop. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the premise for that, and you, you've even alluded to this in your intro, life life keeps happening. Jesus said, you will have trouble. And I think believers and non-believers don't always like to believe that, right? But you're going to have trouble. So it's a matter of how we deal with it. But in short, it's a 10-hour workshop where we have several teachers teaching and we have some trained facilitators that at strategic times in the workshop, there's breakout sessions where whether you're on Zoom or in person, you go, if you're a participant, you're alone with your facilitator. And that ratio is, used, it, can, it can be depending on the amount of participants. It can be one-on-one or it can be one to two or three, but that's very confidential setting for you to share some of your pain with somebody that's trained to listen and empathize with you and then come back out and join the rest of the session. And then we continue on as a, as a small group setting, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You say you take a cognitive approach. Is that a by co- what do you mean by cognitive approach? It's very educational. It's very intellectual. There's a building block process. Each lesson we do builds on the next one with those practical exercises strategically put in between each of those building block lessons. So that in a general sense, that's what I'm referring to. Okay. Okay. Can you do a, just a flyover of the, the main steps that a person would go through if they were hurt. What's the first thing that you cover? Well, if we go back to the intro story that I gave about the accident, the very first lesson we do after getting everybody settled in and and introducing ourselves, going over some ground rules, some confidentiality items, the first lesson we actually do is called Why Hope? And we use the acronym in HOPE, over, Helping Overcome Painful Experiences. And we tell that story. You, usually at this stage, the, the lady, the, one of the founders that was in that accident, she actually is the one that teaches that when she's available. And that story leads into why HOPE, why we all need it. Because what, we may not share her story specifically, But we all have our stories of pain that we're dealing with. And we often have found, I'm getting, I might 
stop me if I get a little ahead of you. We have found that oftentimes in these workshops, people are sharing their pain and they may have never shared it with anybody before this time. They've carried it for years. So that first lesson, why hope lays the foundation. Hey, I don't just need it. You just don't need it, Scott. We all need it. It makes it very relatable. And so we all need the hope, but now let's start getting the tools to help you with it. Okay. So, so the expression in the context of a caring community is crucial to moving from being hurt to having hope. We have found that that is huge, Scott. We have found that when people at the end of the workshops have, have given us feedback into what some of the highlights were, they love that they went through it together with somebody they haven't met before. We've, we've had a therapist go through it that says she thought that was one of the highlights of the program was being able to do it in a, in a small group, intimate community. So absolutely. Can you give us an example of a transformation that someone has gone from being extremely in hurt to having hope? I can. The challenge is narrowing it down to one, but I will do that. I can think of a young man that was in my congregation. I'm also a church leader for, for your audience. And I would get with this, this brother every couple of weeks or so and have coffee and as he began to trust me, he began to talk about his childhood and his father. And he would tell me, and I won't go into detail, but he would tell me in detail some of the horrific things that his father did to him. And some of those were physical. A lot of it was verbal. And some of it was sexual. And just just stuff that just makes you weep, okay? And some of those, some of those behaviors from his dad has led to obviously a mental and emotional damage for a lifetime. But I can also say that some of the physical things and sexual things he did to him also left him with some physical challenges, let's just say that. Mm -hmm. And so I knew as a minister that I needed to call him to forgiveness. But I didn't want to be too quick to do that because he needed to be heard. Okay. Right. And so we, we had these coffees for several weeks. And then at the time we were doing workshops out of our house, my wife and I, and we invited him to the next one, which was still a few weeks out and he agreed to come. And I remember him telling me before he came to the workshop, he said, Steve, I will never forgive my father for the things he did to me. Mm -hmm. And the point I want to make is there's a big difference in saying I'll never forgive and saying I want to, but I don't know how. See, there's still a heart there that God can work with. So we had that conversation. I said, well, let's just come to the workshop. Let's see what God's up to. So he comes to the workshop and he's sitting in, in my rocking chair and there's about seven or eight other people in the group that night. And he's got his arms folded. And at the time we would teach from DVDs and then we would stop them at strategic times, have com commentary and that kind of thing. And he's got his arms folded after the first DVD session. He, he says, I don't know about all this. I'm skeptical of this. And before I could say anything, the other people in the group are like, hey, you know, I'm not going to say his name, but hey, you know, just give it a chance. You know, you just, you got to, you got to let this thing work. And so, you know, he, he was quiet, went on. Anyway, fast forward, he gets through the two days of the workshop and we're having coffee a couple of weeks later. 
And I ask him, hey, how's everything going with the forgiveness with, with your dad? And he goes, what are you talking about, Steve? I forgave my dad during that workshop at your house. It's gone. I'm light. I'm, I'm at peace. I was just like, oh, wow, are you kidding me? I mean, you know, it's just, I didn't even know how, how strong it was. So yeah, that's one example. So you noticed in this gentleman, a difference on the other side of forgiveness, the, would you describe the difference in his demeanor from, from the moment he had his arms crossed at your house during a session? to that having coffee with you afterward. What was the difference, the observable difference? Well, I hadn't spent one-on-one time with him. That's why I didn't know specifically that he had let the bitterness go. Right. But I like your question because it makes me reflect. And, and looking back, I remember he became more relaxed. He became more, participated more in the conversation. His arms weren't folded for the rest of the workshop after maybe an hour or so there were outward signs that things were working but it wasn't until i had that one-on-one dialogue to know how much he had let go there are people who are listening to this podcast many of whom own a business they are in their 40s and 50s and everything that they have dreamed of building has been built and they're reflecting. It's one of the characteristics of someone in their third quarter. They tend to reflect a little bit more. And some people are late bloomers. They don't reflect until their late 50s or 60s even. But somewhere along this lifeline that we live, we begin to reflect. And I want to address the listener who has spent their life building something. And they are recognizing as they listen here that they too have been building from a posture of hurt. While they may have been successful, as they begin to pause and reflect on life, they're beginning to hunger for something more meaningful than the success itself. And they are, in their reflection, are awakening to some unresolved hurt. What would you say to that person if they were to say, agree to be on this call, this very call. And they said, you know, I'm reflecting on my life and I'm realizing that my own father had abused me and maybe not to the degree that you just mentioned, but I have spent my life trying to get his approval and he's now gone. And I recognize that and I want to forgive him, but he's gone. What do I do? How do I move from hurt to hope? But do you have any words for that person? Such a profound, thought-provoking question. And I have to say, Scott, that for those that are listening that may have not seen it, you had a post on LinkedIn yesterday about, I think it was five examples of things that people have said near their deathbed. And maybe I don't know if this is the proper time somewhere in this conversation to include that, but I was really moved by that. I think for me personally, Scott, I was about 28 years old and I did not have a strong relationship with my biological father. He divorced my mom when I was two. He didn't show up half the time for our weekend visitations. I would sit out on the the doorsteps of our apartment till the sun went down until my mom made me come back in, just holding out hope that he would show up and he didn't call. And those were deep wounds. And we have this analogy that we use and you, your, your audience can't see me, 
But just to give a little visual audio wise, uh, if I had a glass and I do have it here in my hand and the glass represents my heart, the water in it represents the pain. And so that divorce, that sitting on the steps waiting for dad to pick me up and he didn't show up, those were significant pieces of water in my glass, significant pain in my life. And then some other things that I won't get into, but most of us have that water in our glass full by the time we're 16, 17 years old. Usually by 16, 17, you know somebody's passed away. You've may have been bullied at recess. You may have not made a sports team you wanted to make. You may have been ridiculed. You know, your parents didn't get along or got in a fight. I mean, there's so many things, right? And so for me, I was 16 and I was an angry young man and not knowing until my early 30s that a lot of it came from that early childhood. Mm-hmm. And so go back a half a step. My dad and I finally reconciled when I was in my mid 20s. And it was far from perfect. It was never what I dreamed it would be, but it was something and it wasn't bad anymore. But things took a real serious turn when I learned that he had emphysema and lung cancer. And fast forward the story a little bit. I was called by his wife at the time. He was admitted to the VA hospital in Virginia, where they were at the time. And my newly married wife and I, we'd only been married a year. We made the drive to Virginia from where we lived in Tennessee at the time. And I entered that hospital room, not exactly sure at 28 years old what I was going to see. And I was pretty stunned by what I saw. The whites of his eyes were yellow. And all he had the energy to say to me is, I beg you to forgive me for the way I treated you as a father. Now, for your audience, keep in mind, I'm not a Christian at this point in my life. And I just know that I had a choice to make in that moment. Matter of fact, if I'm being honest, I had a choice to make before I ever got there into that room. And when he said those words, I had to choose whether I was going to forgive him from the heart or not. And I did forgive him. And it was sincere. And I think my point in all that, that was 28, but then I still wrestled another 10, 12 years with dealing with the pain that he caused. Okay. There was still forgiveness, but I needed to get to the root of what caused all that. And so I started dealing with some of that in my thirties, but it wasn't until around 2017, Scott, when I became introduced to the founders of Caring Resources Mm-hmm. that I was able to really deal with the underlying issues and to use some of those practical tools that we talk about in workshops to really fully heal my heart. And pour and the so, water out of the glass. Pour the water out of the glass and then to keep the water out of the glass for the rest of my life, which is what I've been doing the last five years. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, to be more specific, I, I poured the water out. I got the pain out in 2017. Now my job is to keep it as empty as possible as that life keeps happening to me. Mm-hmm. So the point I want to make to get back to your central question, in 2017, I was 48 years old. So I think that coincides with what you're trying to communicate. At 48, I'm just then dealing with all that junk in my heart at a really gut level. 
Mm-hmm. And here I am, 53, still trying to deal with it, but have the tools now to deal with it in a healthy way. Right. So the central message is if you are in that situation where you're struggling with a hurt that has happened somewhere in your fu- in your past, you are not alone and there are tools, right? Um, Absolutely. If you'll indulge me, I have a further question. What was it about meeting these two ladies that made the difference in significant transformation in your life? My wife had been to one of their workshops several years before. Our two mothers passed away three months apart back in 2006. So she went to one of their workshops that was being held at our church at the time. This is probably sometime in 2007. Told me all about it. Typical guy, right? I've got my eyes on the job. I got commitments, deadlines, work. And I just like tabled that because if I'm being honest, I wasn't ready to fully deal with my healing at that point. I'm trying to think of how old I was at that point. 2007, I was, uh, goodness, why can't I do the math? 13, I was 38, 39 years old. And so it wasn't until, like I said earlier, 2017, that I felt nudged to call them. And actually still the initial call, Scott, was to see how I could bring the program to my church, not deal with my stuff. To your church, not to your heart. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And then that's when they convinced me, you got to deal with your stuff and you need to go through it first (laughs) before you ever can. And I'm like, yeah, looking back (laughs) now, obviously a lot of wisdom in that. Darn that that male ego, huh? I know, right? so huge. Gosh, but they were right. And it's when I went through it that I was, it was almost an aha moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the answer. And and I'm not trying to tell your audience that our program is the magic pill or the only answer. Mm -hmm. But for me and for people that have been through the program, it is an aha moment. It's Mm. to answer your question. Truly for me, it was like, wow, this, I've never heard this teaching before. I've never heard the depths of this. And I've never been a part of a community that is all trying to, to go through healing together as a group. Yeah. It's a fascinating story that you have personally lived and my hats off to the ladies who redeemed a loss that they experienced and are helping multitudes of people. So I think the central message that I'm picking up from your, from our discussion is that hurt to hope is based on the premise that there is always hope. Even though there is always hurt, there is always hope. And it is a movement from hurt to hope. And if you are listening to this episode and you are hurt, there is hope in the the realm of finishing strong. I talk about six hallmarks of a fantastic fourth quarter. And one of those hallmarks is being emotionally healthy. This is a direct part of emotional health. And those six hallmarks impact each other a lot like systems in our bodies. You know, you have the digestive system, the neurological system, all the different systems. They all do their own thing, but because they're all part of the body, if one is ailing, it's going to affect the other areas. So if you move from being hurt to having hope and you deal with the issues that really have weighed you down, imagine how your emotional health 
impacts your relational richness and your physical fitness and maybe even your vocational alignment and your spiritual groundedness and your financial freedom. This is a an all-encompassing journey from hurt to hope, and it can impact more than just your emotional health. And that's why I am so excited about this particular episode, because there's a lot of people and men, you know, women aren't exempt from this. Men tend to have more of the ego that they have to deal with, but we all have been hurt. And you have shown us that there is a program out there that is available. What I'd like to do is ask you, where can the person who is listening to this, where can they find you? Where can they reach out? Even if they don't go through the program, but they want to talk with you Hmm. and they want to find out more. Is there a program near me? Is there, you know, what are the tenants of this program? Where would they find you? So they can certainly email me. That's steve.warmer5 at gmail.com. And we'll put that in the show notes. Okay. The website for Hurt to Hope is www.hurt and then the number two hope.org. So that's hurt, the number two hope.org. Okay. And then I'd be glad to make my phone number available also. It's area code 615-480-6953 because I believe this topic is that important. Mm-hmm. I want to make myself available. Okay. Well, you're doing God's work. You are you are in the business of freedom. You are dealing in freedom. You are providing people a, a path that they can take. And, you know, just like any kind of change, like you said, I don't. I will never forgive my father is different when you say, I want to forgive my father. I don't know how. And you provide the tools that will help them know how to journey their path to freedom. This is, this is so fantastic. Steve, thank you so much for, for joining me on this podcast and for dealing in hope and dealing in freedom. Scott, it's been my honor. Thank you so much for having me. What a fantastic mission of hope. This has been another episode of the Serm Strong Finish Strong podcast. I'm Scott Kokenauer. If you've been with me much with this whole podcast, all these episodes, you'll know that I take your time very seriously. I consider it a great honor because I know there are a lot of other uses of your time. There are a lot of other podcasts you could be listening to. I want you to know I take it very serious and I thank you from the bottom of the heart of my heart. Be sure to visit the show notes for the information you need for this podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified of the next episodes that come out. And I would love it if you gave me a rating of, of course, five stars would be awesome. The ratings further boost the message that the Serve Strong, Finish Strong podcast is trying to convey to people in their 40s and 50s. So hope you have a great day. I'll talk to you on the next episode. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.